What is up, guys? I'm your host, Ian the Rhino, and this is episode 9 of the Fortitude Live podcast with none other than elite powerlifter and business owner Steve Gentili. Super excited for you guys to hear this episode. Recently, I was up in Indianapolis and I had the chance to go into Indy City Barbell and uh, get a lift in at Steve's gym. So that was a really, really great opportunity to sit down with him and have a chat sort of about his history in the strength game and the fitness industry in general, even before that. He was doing quite a bit. Um, and so we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of how he came into his own in the strength community. Um, a lot of the trials and, you know, obstacles he's faced and overcome and if there is any message from this podcast that you know it would bring to you guys listening it would be one of resiliency and how to you know not shy away from challenges in the face of adversity and difficulty and to keep moving forward and I think that's an extremely positive message and something that I personally try to communicate to you guys on a routine regular basis so uh, sit down have a listen and enjoy guys um as always, this episode is brought to you by Certified Piedmontese Real Nebraska Beef. You can visit their website at www.piedmontese.com. Uh, throw some cuts of beef, some ground beef, etc. in your cart and use code FORTITUDELIVE25 at checkout to save 25% off your order. Um, I can't recommend this product enough. One of the most tender, flavorful, low-fat cuts of beef on the market. It's just as tender, if not more so than a lot of the more fatty marbled cuts of beef that I've had the chance of trying, you know, even at more expensive steakhouses. So, you know, you really, really can't go wrong with whatever you choose off their site. It's all good. It all tastes amazing. It's all very, very healthy for you. It's an amazing second to none source of protein. You're supporting a good community of good people, uh, their business. They, um, they support a lot of family farmers. It's a good thing that they're doing. Uh, their animal husbandry is second to none. Uh, they, they process their product very, very ethically um, to a very, very high standard. So, you know, pretty much from start to finish, their whole entire operation is very, very high end in quality. And you know, I can't say enough good things about them. So listen to the podcast. Enjoy it. You know, I, I hope you guys get some awesome takeaways from it. Feel free to share it on your Instagram story. Make sure to stat, uh, make sure to tag myself, Ian the Rhino at Fortitude Sp Sports Performance. Um, tag Steve at uh, I believe it's P Fitness Five Hundred. Um, you know, let us know what you liked and didn't like about the episode. I always appreciate constructive criticism. Anyways, hope you enjoy episode nine, guys. So what was his name? His name's Bo, you said, right? Bo Agrius, but we call him Bo. Okay. Is he, how old is he? Just about a year. A year? Okay. How, what made you guys decide on a Frenchie? Well, so I wanted a gym dog, uh -huh. but um, I needed something that, like, I wouldn't have to worry about getting squished by a deadlift, <laughs> but also not something that's going to, like, make somebody shit their pants if yeah, they're scared yeah. of dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I felt like a Frenchie was a good mix. Mm. And actually, my buddy Mason was uh, the GM at Zoo Culture for a while, mm -hmm. and then he had a American Bulldog, so that's what made me do it. That's cool. So you were out in California for a while, eh, Zoo Culture. Um, how long were you out there for? California? Yeah. 14 years. Oh, shit. So yeah. you're originally from the Midwest, though, right? Chicago. Okay. Born and raised. Yeah, and then I moved out there when I was like 20 mm. and spent the last 14 years out there. So you moved out there when you were 20. Um, so... 
being in Chicago, well, so real quick, let me just rewind real quick, guys. We are here with Steve Gentile. He is a uh, powerlifter um, by career or by nature, but before that, you've played football. You've done some other stuff. Um, so it seems like you were kind of an athlete that sort of came into the strength game and used sort of your genetic talent to kind of kick some ass, lift some pretty heavy weights. Yeah, I was a little late on it, you yeah. know. Like I got into weightlifting through football in high school, mm. Um, and through that, actually suffered a lot of injuries yeah, yeah. in uh, in college, and that okay. kind of ended my football career. Okay, but opened the door for like fitness. So yeah, yeah. I've actually been in fitness since two thousand and three. Okay, so for quite a while, that's God, what is it twenty twenty? That's seventeen years. years. Yeah, professionally seventeen years, but I, I've been working out for over twenty. Yeah, yeah. Well, how old are you now? Thirty five. Thirty five. Okay, so seventeen years. So damn. So that's like back since you were like 18 or so yeah as soon as i graduated high school man it yeah. was like one of those things where yeah. a lot of people didn't know what they wanted to do yeah. and we were kind of guessing around and going to college studying mm -hmm. whatever fucking yeah, yeah. underwater basket weaving and shit and <laughs> trying to figure yeah i got out. certified as a personal trainer and yeah. started making money that's funny what certification did you do and the first one was nsca no shit okay yeah i i actually did the same thing when i turned 18 I, my brother had already been doing some, some PT stuff, personal training stuff. I was down in Florida, um, right where I still am, but uh, I was in Gainesville and there was that one, there was NASM right. and there were some other, there's like some other ones, but like NSCA and NASM were like the two ones. I did the NASM because he, he had already done that. So he already had the textbooks and everything. Okay. And so like I read that and studied that and, um, and ended up doing the same thing. Did you, so had you started lifting before you probably started lifting before that though, obviously. Oh yeah. 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 But, and, but you got to remember too, Florida is not Chicago. <laughs> yeah. so Chicago, the, not a lot of people make a career yeah. decision out of fitness. You sure, know, everybody sure. was like, you got to get a real job. Like yeah. no one's going to pay you to work out. Like yeah. what, are, what are you trying to do with your life? Yeah. You, I think most people tend to like just as a as a profession in terms of like making money and stuff for a lot of people it tends to be like one of those like mid-level careers where they don't necessarily turn it into like a, a a long time career and they sort of maybe they go from like a minimum wage job to like a sort of like a training gig while they're maybe in school or something right. and then they graduate it's and they, transitional yeah, yeah for a lot of people yeah they use it in between mm -hmm. and especially when i was out in california i feel like every other person I met was a personal trainer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also an actor or a writer yeah, sure. or doing other things. And it was like... Like a side hustle. Kind yeah. Of. And it's almost like a slap in the face for guys like us who sure. made it a career decision and we're passionate about these things yeah, yeah. because we like helping people mm -hmm. and because we're passionate about the science. Mm -hmm. And then you got someone that's just like fucking going on youtube and mimicking these workouts with their clients yeah, yeah. not really not understanding what they're doing sure sure so how did you get into strength training uh through football through and it's football. actually a funnier story because i was one of those guys that in high school um i came in late uh -huh. so i transferred in as a sophomore okay and everybody else had been a part of the program since freshman year okay so they're all ready lifting and doing these things and as you know a year of lifting weights, mm. when you first start, makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody's familiar with newbie gains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm way behind, right? Uh -huh. I, I come into the weight room, and I'm the weakest one. <laughs> There's guys that are, like, half my size, yeah, and yeah. I, I feel like I should be stronger than them, and they're out lifting me. So, 
I do what most kids would have done and just yeah. avoided the weight room. So you said this was what back freshman year? This was my sophomore year. Sophomore so year. my first year of high school. Okay. What like what year was this around? Like two thousand. Uh, two thousand. Two thousand right around there. Okay. Two thousand one. Okay. I was a freshman. Two thousand. But I didn't go to normal high school my yeah. freshman year. Okay. When I transferred yeah. in, I I was fifteen, and uh, like so I was skipping the weight room every mm. chance I got. And my mm. coach came over and grabbed me. He's like, "Listen, you're a talented player, yeah. but if you're not lifting weights, you're not going to play here." Yeah. So ever since I had that conversation with my coach, mm. I haven't missed more than a week in the weight room. So you're a, for for the people listening, you're a pretty big guy stature wise. How tall are you? Six three. Six three, and you walk around body weight wise. Uh, right now, about two seventy. Two seventy. At your heaviest, what were you? Would you say three twenty? Three twenty. Okay, so you're you're a big motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so, some size. To so me. back then, when you started around your whenever you started lifting weights, your sophomore year, were you the same height or no? I had uh, so. I had like a shaded pass and was mm. into drugs for a long time. Okay. So when I say I got back, I was actually in a juvenile detention center for okay. two years. Oh. And while I was there, I got off of drugs, stopped smoking cigarettes, and I went from when I started that, I was five nine one seventy. Uh-huh. And then when I got out of that, I started high school. I was six foot one ninety five. Okay. Man, our high schools sound like the exact same. I did the same thing. Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, two years? Uh, no, it was 13 months. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> what, what were yours on? Um, so I was. I didn't actually, I wasn't court-ordered on anything. Oh, okay. I was, I was probably on the verge of being court-ordered for some stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, it was uh, It was a privately ran place that I just got sent to. Oh, yeah. Nobody you, wanted to deal with me. You had people that loved you. Uh, yeah, questionably. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I haven't really gone into detail on that, but that's a funny thing. That's well, it's funny now to look back on it. <laughs> Yo, know, I'll say this, man. It was probably one of the most defining points in my life. Hundred percent. Because I was, you know, growing up, hanging out with the wrong people sure. and doing the wrong thing. If yeah. I would have kept doing that, the, all those guys that I know now, like yeah. obviously Facebook, they reach out. They're in and out of prison. Yeah, half of them are dead. Oh yeah, for sure. And I was going to be right there with them. That's that's so interesting you say that because like kind of the similar experience with me like all the people that I went through it with and got and and got out I was supposed to be there for for 15 months and this is an interesting story for everyone listening because I've never I've never really like gone super public about it because it's not like I'm not one of those people to try to like like you see a lot of people they which there's nothing wrong with it. You know, people will talk about their depression or talk about mental health and that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like it's a bigger issue and there's a lot of people covering it. Right yeah, now. like there's there's nothing wrong with it. But I, for me personally, that's always been something a little bit more like that sort of thing. I would never try to use that sort of thing to maybe to help people, but not to like glorify myself and get more attention maybe or like, I don't know. But like, so, so in that same thread, you know, when talking about this experience for me, like, since we're on the topic, I feel okay talking about it, but okay. it's not something I would like proactively go out to yeah. kind of like no, I understand to get saying. attention kind of thing. But I was supposed to be in for 15 months and ended up only being in for 13 because they sort of portrayed this outward appearance to people that they were doing all these good things with us. Right. And then on the inside behind the fence, it was a little bit more questionable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I actually found myself in a situation for about 10 days 
where um, they were already not feeding us like a whole lot of calories day right. to day. You know, I was maybe five seven, five eight, like I was probably about one hundred and sixty pounds when I should have been about one hundred and seventy, one hundred and eighty. Um, so we were on probably about like two thousand calories at the most per day. And then uh, I found myself in a situation where one of the head people in charge. Um, I found myself kind of on an, a bad opposite end of them and, uh, and they ended up making my food intake around like 800 to a thousand calories for probably about 10 or 12 days. Yeah. I ended up dropping about like five to 10 pounds in that time frame, And it just so happened that that time frame, like it must've been like the grace of God or something. Cause that, that time frame coincided with me. The place was about four or five hours away from where I was from. And, uh, that co- kind of coincided with um, a doctor's appointment that I had that they couldn't take me to because they didn't have someone to take me that far. Like they could take me to like a local doctor's checkup, right. um, nothing on site. So I had to go off site five hours. So they actually had to contact my mom, who I hadn't seen in quite a while, to come pick me up and take me to this doctor's appointment. It was like a checkup on a surgery because I got an eye surgery um, for a, a, a a lazy eye like a while ago and um i was like a routine yearly checkup and so when she came to get me i basically was like yo this is what's going on like if you don't take like call your attorney and take me out of this like i'm gonna dip and yeah. like you guys like because i was already we were already in tallahassee like whether it would have been successful or not i don't know but i was at that point where i was like 16 17 like, I wasn't super young. I wasn't, you know, as mature as I am now. Right. But I had pretty much, like, decided in my own point, like, in my own mind at that point that I wasn't going to leave, like, my like the course of my life up to anyone else. Right. Because other people had already proven how unreliable they were in sort of determining my own, di- like, the direction and, and, you know, what they thought was best for me. Right. And I was tired of letting other people decide what they thought was best for me because it wasn't going super well. At that and especially at that age, you feel like you got it all figured out. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and thankfully, you know, thankfully she kind of came to her senses and, and was like, wow, I didn't, you know, I like tried to start building trust at that point and was like, I didn't know that was going on. And, you know, the all this stuff. And, you know, they were... They, while I was in there, they were screening communication anyway, so I, it's not like I could talk to anyone outside of there. We were, right. pretty, we were pretty much isolated, so I don't know if your experience was similar or not. But. Yeah, a little different. But but I'm, pre- I'm sure it's probably a little more government-regulated. Yeah, so. and we had social workers taking care of us. Yeah, kind of like looking out for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There was definitely some shady shit going on. But yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that going through that and speaking for myself – the same, uh, you know, from the same experience, that was probably like one of the first points I would say for me that made me sort of be more self-reliant and not have anybody to come and like do something for me. And so I sort of had to like grow that mental resilience to sort of persevere and persist. And even though it was very unpleasant at the time going through it afterwards, it was almost like, um, like I used that whenever I encountered something else, it was like, well, if I did that, then I can do this. Yeah. I think that's where you start building those building blocks. Yeah. Building confidence. A little, yeah. Confidence, Mm. but also accountability, right? Sure. sure, And you start to realize that you're, you're 
actions have consequences. Yeah, and you're the only person responsible for that. Yeah. And it, it makes you accountable. Yeah. That, that ability to take ownership is something I don't think a lot of people have nowadays. You're absolutely right. And yeah. the entitlement that's out there, especially with a lot of younger guys, it's, it's getting pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so going through that, you know, that obviously maybe taught you some, some different life lessons and things. And so you were coming to the football into the weight room and your coach sort of kind of telling you that like, all right, you know, you're not going to play that much if you don't lift. So obviously you kind of definitely kind of took that to heart and started building up from there it sounds like yeah and I think for me it was just one of those things where like I was embarrassed because I was so far behind okay but then once I made the decision to do it and like this kind of how I am when I Mm -hmm. decide to do something I throw my all into it yeah so if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna try to be the best I can at it and it maybe three months into it, I was already passing the other guys. Yeah. So you put you put it on pretty quick. All the all the weights, all the gains. Uh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't say that. I mean, yeah. relative to other high school kids, sure. yeah. But okay. like, you know, I was not one of these guys that you see eighteen years old squatting nine hundred <laughs> pounds in sleeves. Like, it took me a while. And I like honestly, I was more. I played safety in high, in high school, uh, so I was more of a speed guy. Okay. So I like sure. a lot of my development, like you know, dunking basketballs okay. and. Doing track and field, I actually ran the 100-meter dash in high school. Oh, okay. So it really wasn't a size thing. It wasn't until I got so to pretty, college. You're pretty explosive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, real explosive, man. Mm-hmm. That was, like, probably the thing that got me looks was mm-hmm. my ability to close on the ball. Yeah. But deliver hits. Like, okay. I, I always could throw hits. Oh, man. I, I – I, you sound like somebody that I wouldn't want to be on the other side. <laughs> yeah. I played football for a little, like the first couple of years in high school, and then um, decide. Then I had that sort of thirteen month stint, and then uh, well, I came back for my senior year, and they really wanted me to play, but my high school, the a lot of the people that were on the team, it was almost like being on the football team was just an end to go to parties. Oh, okay. And nobody really took it that seriously. And me personally, like I excelled at weightlifting, I excelled at wrestling, I excelled at all these right. individual sports because I was accountable. Yep. But then being on the football team, it's like I'm I'm a running back and a fullback and I'm the strongest guy on the team. And this doesn't really make sense yeah, because you, <laughs> you need someone up front blocking for you. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want guys blocking for me that can only squat 200 pounds. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like you just like you just take the fat guys and you make them linemen. And it's like I could probably be a better lineman than that guy because I can I have more lateral speed and, you know, I can have better agility and stuff. And so, like, they really wanted me to play. But I was just like, yeah, I can't. Not risking it. No, no, it's not <laughs> worth it. Like I was realistic, you know, from the injury standpoint. Yeah. Like the, if I wasn't going to go play in college, then you know, and I was going to do something else, and it's like, you don't, you don't like. I know new guys that I played with that season. Like I played a little bit of the first season. I was like, nah, I don't. It's it's too risky. That tore their ACLs and like their knees aren't the same. You right. Know? And no. it's like that's something you carry with you forever. Yeah. What were some of the injuries you experienced? Uh, in high school, not that many. You know, like I had a groin injury and a few bumps and bruises, mm-hmm. but nothing real, nothing real serious. Mm-hmm. But you progressed there from college to college. Yeah, in college, it was uh, a, a really like a laundry list of things. Because mm-hmm. I th- and honestly, I think what had happened was being an athletic player, mm-hmm. 
every level you play at, people get bigger, faster, yeah. stronger. The stakes get higher. So I was really fast in high school, but uh-huh. in college I was like decently fast. Sure, you know, like sure. I wasn't as fast as the DBs and the yeah. wide receivers. So yeah. what are your options? Sure. You can't you can't get faster. Yeah. To an extent, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like there's just some God-given abilities that mm-hmm. you're just not able to improve. Mm-hmm. But I can get bigger. Yeah. So yeah. I could try to get more keep my athleticism and keep getting bigger. Mm. And as I did that, I think the ligaments and the musculature on my body took a bigger toll. Okay. So because you're carrying more weight, maybe exactly. Mm. And like trying to maintain the same level of explosiveness with an extra fifty pounds on your frame. Yeah. Like I ended up. Uh, it started with my Liz Frank and my left foot. Oh, wow. Okay. And then that turned into... Like a, that's a fracture, right? It's a tendon. Tendon. Okay. And it actually holds all the metatarsals together. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So once that ruptured, then they had to put a screw through them oh, wow. to bring it back together. But then I'm compensating. Yeah. And then... So all these that. injuries were on my left knee or on my left side, okay. which later became uh, a PCL, MCL tear. Mm-hmm. I rehabbed that, was able to get back on the field, mm. and then three weeks back on the field, I tore my Achilles tendon. Oh, wow. On the same side. Yeah. And then that is what led into my quad tear uh-huh. last year. Okay. Because they had told me with the PCL, like, it's mm. only a matter of time before your quad tears. Yeah, yeah. Just because there's probably, it's taking more stress at that point. And the way that the tibia shifts mm. in the knee, because I never got it repaired. Okay. They didn't do uh, tendon. Uh, they didn't re- replace that at all. Got it. Okay. Because I'm at a state school, mm. and they're just looking at it as yeah. wear and tear. Yeah. yeah. Can you play without it? And Wrist or reward. Yeah, I got back on the field, but yeah. You know, other than that, it was like um, a lot of a lot of bumps, bruises. Uh, mm. I separated my AC joint, and uh, a lot of other things that happened outside of football too that yeah. caused a lot of injuries. Gotcha. So when you came into college, you were you said you put on about fifty pounds over uh, the course of like the over the course of the years. Yeah. Okay. So you you came into college. You said what about like six one or so? Um, yeah, I graduated high school. I was about six one. I probably weighed like two twenty. Okay, and so you bumped up to like two sixty, two seventy through college. At, by the time, so I played at a JUCO, okay. Santa Monica College. Gotcha. Okay. And I played middle linebacker there. Okay. And then I went to UCLA, and uh-huh. they moved me to DN. So every every you know, I went from safety yeah. to linebacker okay. to, to DN. DN. So okay. the progression was more weight, more yeah. weight, more yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the time I got to uh, UCLA, I was like a lean 245 yeah. and I got up to 265. Damn. But being like as a defensive end, like 265, 270, like that's still pretty big for that position, right? Yeah. No, it, it is. Because like, like most of the guys I see playing that position are like even in the NFL are like 240 to 260. But you also have guys like J.J. Watt that are yeah. 290. Like true, it, yeah. it depends on what kind of player you are. Yeah, true. And for me, like I was, I was pretty athletic. Yeah. So even like – uh, I did uh, af- in my powerlifting career. Uh-huh. I went back and did this thing on YouTube, and it was okay. powerlifter versus CrossFitter versus okay. uh, bodybuilder. And we did all these testing, and I weighed three hundred five uh-huh. at the time, and I still ran a four seven forty. Yeah, I might have watched that video. Yeah, yeah. I've watched some videos like that. And I feel like I vaguely might have watched that, like maybe when I went in a YouTube rabbit hole one night. Oh, yeah. No, it's a good time, man. There were some good athletes on there. Yeah. Jacob Hepner was the yeah. CrossFit guy. He was top rated at that time. Yeah, so, I know him, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a good group. Mm. And we had a lot of fun, but 
doing all those testing after being off of the field for as long as I was, yeah. after all the injuries I had, He's and still, I was still able to have a 37-inch vertical yeah. and run a, a 4.740 at 305 pounds. Yeah, the, the athleticism doesn't necessarily leave. No. It just, after you finish, you're, you're like, damn, that kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> oh, it took, it took a lot out of me. And if you watch the video, there's definitely some of the uh, the – Tested I sandbag. Yeah. Like, I, w- I was in meat prep uh, six weeks out from yeah. doing a meet in uh, California, so there was definitely some things I didn't try on. Yeah. Like, doing the power cleans. Like <laughs> yeah. Everybody was like, why? Did, you you could have done way more than that. I'm like, yeah, but I have elbow tendonitis, <laughs> and we had a deadlift right after that. Like, I'm not and trying when, to risk it. When you're benching close to 600 pounds, if the front rack isn't exactly the most efficient position. No. And that actually was the first <laughs> prep I benched 600. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. So, so you went through college, you had some injuries, and you obviously found powerlifting at a certain point in time. Was there a gap between college and powerlifting? Yeah, so it was uh, – after those injuries, like, I, I went through a phase. Like, I actually had uh, – uh, my, my sister died in a car crash. Mm-hmm. My mom had passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. I had got lost football. I got into drinking, wasn't wow. going to class, lost my scholarship to UCLA, okay. um, spent a lot of time feeling sorry for myself. Damn, so you went through some shit. Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't my first time, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it definitely took me a while to learn how to cope the sure, right way. Sure, Was still going to the gym, mm-hmm. but, like, was kind of lost, you know. Yeah, it was yeah. personal training, but, yeah. you know, at that time, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist, yeah. and I needed a degree to do that. Yeah, you are looking for some direction, it sounded like. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I was in the fitness industry mm-hmm. and started getting into, like, uh, modeling and okay. doing some... Uh, like aesthetic stuff? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I would... But, like, to me, I always liked the performance aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had lost some weight from playing football. Mm-hmm. I had gotten a little bit leaner, was in the gym, mm-hmm. and was lifting weights, but really didn't have a whole lot of purpose with mm-hmm. it. Why did you like the performance aspect versus the aesthetic aspect? I think the performance is more objective, yeah, right? Okay. Like, it, it, I used to go to these... Um, like bodybuilding physique shows? No, like no, no. I would try to get jobs. Cause like, okay. all that, to me, was like beauty pageants, sure. right? And yeah, like yeah. I, I understand it as a sport now. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I was like, I want to make a career out of this. How did I do that? Mm-hmm. And at the mm-hmm. time, I thought maybe modeling yeah. and getting into, like, mm-hmm. being a TV personal trainer, mm-hmm. like, something along those lines. Like, on a, like one of those shows, like, Biggest Loser. Exa- yeah. But they were all huge at that time. Mm-hmm. And there was multiple shows mm-hmm. that were on TV. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, all you need is one good client in order to make this yeah, happen. And for sure. So I thought that was the route to go. Yeah. And I actually did a couple of modeling gigs and mm-hmm. but they don't pay well you know uh-huh. like one of my buddies was on the cover of muscle and fitness twice uh-huh. he got zero dollars really no it's all networking so like you do that as a way to like expand your reach sort of exactly and put yourself out there so sort of like a viral instagram post or something but you would never know what they were looking for i yeah, could be yeah. the the tallest most muscular guy there uh-huh. but they're looking for someone with a softer look yeah or i could have the softest look there and there's guys that are totally ripped uh-huh. but they're looking for someone that looks more like a pro strongman yeah like you don't know what they were looking for like, in that industry like for that time. for that edition of that magazine maybe or something or whatever casting they were doing like yeah. i i got casted to do the uh, EA Sports, the Madden. Okay. I actually posted this on my IG recently because uh, 
a follower of mine uh, screenshotted. He was like, this guy looks just like you. I'm <laughs> like, dude, that's me. Like, I did this back in 2015. No shit. No shit. But it was, uh, you, you just never know what they were going to cast you for. Yeah. Huh. So for me, like the objectivity of strength training where I like progressions, mm. like I like being able to say I'm better than I was last week. Yeah. And if you're just doing it as an image, it's really hard to gauge and it's a yeah. mind fuck, you know, because like, are you progressing? Are you like if you don't make get the gig, are you still going forward? Or yeah. Like, and are, are you burning fat or are you losing water? Yeah. You know, are yeah. you getting more vascular mm. or is it drug use? Mm. You know, like yeah. there's all these different aspects mm. to it. And for me, it was really easy just to look at progressions with strength training. Sure. It's very simple to kind of, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's a common thread that I've heard. And I would say that's like pretty, um, I would say that's pretty similar to kind of my approach. I know people who, who do shows and are kind of in the aesthetic arena. And, you know, I know how subjective that can be and how it can be a little bit of a, a, a bit of a, like a hard, you, you know, it's hard to gauge like, how to get better, so right. to speak. It's like, okay, like, what is the what does the judge want? What do they want when they're casting you? Do I need to be this? Do I need to be that? But here's the other thing too. Like we um, we kind of had this conversation prior to getting mm. on the, the mics here. Yeah, but yeah. it was some people are just built for it. Yeah, you're never going to be able to compete with somebody that has a 32 inch waist. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like there are just certain people that are built a certain way, yeah. and it, it's really hard to compete. So. Yeah. And with strength training, anybody can get stronger. And there's still Doesn't those genetic anomalies yeah. that, like, you got a guy that just walks into the weight room and benches 500 pounds yeah. after a year of training. Because like, his insertion points connect a certain way. And it happens, for sure. And, yeah. But here's but everybody can get stronger, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. like everybody can get to a point where mm-hmm. there are certain numbers that they're able to hit and mm-hmm. be able to compete. You can get stronger and you can feel better and look better. And maybe you look different than the next guy, but it's like... Because you look different than the next guy, if you have longer arms, that probably means you'll just deadlift more. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. So I feel like it's a more equal, Yeah, you know, where where bodybuilding is kind of favoritism towards mm-hmm. a certain body type. Body type or genetics. or Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's like I think you go into strength mm-hmm. sports with a little bit more of an equal playing ground. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with that. I've, I've thought about myself like, you know, I have some people that says like, oh, you should do a show. And I'm like, yeah, like I could, but it's like – it would really just be almost like like a thing like it's because it's not going to be fun, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like being in that big of a calorie deficit for that amount of time isn't going to be fun. So it's like thinking about the purpose for, behind it, do it to do it, do it to like try to get a pro card. But it's like if you want to get a pro card, it's like you're going all in. That's a that's a long commitment, you know, especially as like a male. Yeah. For like heavyweight uh-huh. it, you're looking at some years because yeah. it's real hard to work and the the years and then you got the drug use behind it and yep. it's like you know doing that you know i know people that have done it and it's like you're gonna take years off your life to get that thing you know to an and just to get the pro card that's not even like qualifying <laughs> to, for an olympia yeah yeah to compete there's at a level. lot of pros that don't do shit with their pro card yeah they just get it to say they're a pro bodybuilder exactly yeah i, I mean that's kind of what stan efforting did didn't he he got he won his pro show and he he i think he you know so he calls himself the world's strongest bodybuilder yeah, and but he did that at a, in a later stage in his life too, yeah, and I yeah. think for him it was more about the accomplishment of yeah. getting the the pro card at that point than it right. ever was to compete. Because sure. I mean, he had done so many things at that point. Yeah, yeah, with business and stuff. Huh. Exactly. Interesting. So, so you kind of went through this phase in your life. Sounds like you were in your mid twenties, maybe. Right. And then, uh, and then you found powerlifting. 
and um, and found that it was sort of you you kind of sounds like you identified and related a little bit better with this sort of pursuit of strength than you know with some of the other fitness things you were doing and did you did you you know being an explosive guy and an athletic guy you probably picked it up pretty quick i would guess yeah i did and that was part of the reason i got into it was like i would be working out with other fitness guys and i was always way stronger than yeah yeah and they they're like my type of training was always more suited towards powerlifting Mm. like i would work up to heavy triples and heavy doubles but Mm. the programming definitely wasn't there yeah so when i got into Powerlifting, like, it, it wasn't necessarily came to me quick. Yeah. But when I got the proper coaching and learned the proper techniques, but just like I, I said with everything else I do, I throw my all into it. Yeah, so yeah. I'm up watching YouTube videos, trying to get better at squats, sure. and, like, really focus on the things that I sucked at. Technique, that sort of thing. So it, it helped a lot, but it probably took me about, like, I mean, honestly – I trained for my first meet six months, and when I did that, I hit a 1978 total my first time. Wow. So at what body weight? Uh, I weighed in at 262. Okay. So you're in the 125 class. Yep. First meet, you totaled just below 2,000 pounds. Yep. Okay. And that was in 2015, Mm -hmm. so that put me, like, top 20. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. At at that time. That's pretty badass. So you said you kind of came into it and your training your training methods were a little bit questionable and you sounds like you outsourced to a coach now a lot of people you know listening to this a lot of people in the fitness community right now you have some you know internet online coaching is pretty popular people are offering that service you know i offer that service you offer that service i'm sure and um and you have some people that kind of go it alone and they're not sure if they should get a coach or not how how did what was your training like, if you remember, uh, what was your training like before you got a coach, and how did that change after you started working with someone? My training was a lot of, like, balls to the wall, mm. put it all out there every time. It's like full, high intensity every single time. Six days, seven days a week, but you got to remember, yeah. too, like, I was 255 and maybe at 8% body fat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was really, like, but coming out of the fitness industry mm. and, like, focused on how I looked mm. and more on the performance. The biggest change for me was one, I'm a, I'm a student of fitness. Yeah. So I came into powerlifting with the mentality of I'm a rookie. Uh-huh. I need to learn as much as I can. Sure. So I, I joined a gym called Barbell Brigade out in California. Okay. And there were some members there. One of these guys, Larry Lurker mm. was a, a, a a guy he had coached some of the other stronger guys and he kind of took me under his wing. Okay. So I kind of took the mentality I'm going to do everything this guy tells me to do yeah, to yeah. a T. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing he had with me mm-hmm. was dialing it back. Do less. So, sub max <laughs> everything. And, yeah. and four days a week of training. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Larry, I could do more, man. Like these workouts aren't hard. And, <laughs> you know, but what was funny was yeah. the minute I started listening to him, uh-huh. My shoulder pain went away. Yeah, you start feeling better. My knees don't hurt as much. Yeah, my squats start getting heavier. My yeah. deadlifts start getting heavier, and all yeah. these things. So I'm you like, feel better every time you go to hit them. Exactly, and like you, you peak once or twice a year, yeah. and go through these phases of strength training where you're able to like really hit these maximum effort numbers. Because mm-hmm. normally, like I said, I'm giving maximum effort in the gym all the time. Mm-hmm. But the numbers weren't nearly as high as they were when I was peaked for strength. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. you're not properly recovered. Yeah, exactly. That's really interesting you say that because 
I kind of went through a similar phase myself where I came from CrossFit background where it's kind of the similar mentality. You're going high intensity five, six days a week, but you're sort of able to do that and sustain yourself for a little bit longer because the weights you're using and the exercises you're doing are very, very submaximal. So you're doing very high reps, you know, some of the work, you know, kettlebells, sleds, rowing, that sort of thing. You're not necessarily skeletally loaded. So it's not like you're compressing your spine. You're not right. putting certain structures under strain. And then coming to powerlifting, I had that sort of in, like, I was still, like, when I was mid, you know, 25, 26, 27, like, I was still training in sort of that very, like, intense, angry mentality right. that I see a lot of lifters sort of compete or train in, compete in. And, uh, and I brought that into powerlifting and I would just kind of attack my sessions. And if I wasn't, if I couldn't, if I could, if I could, you know, walk appropriately leaving the gym, then I didn't train hard enough sort of thing. And, you know, that, that lasted a few months until I started, you know, picking up little wear and tear injuries. Right. And, you know, I had work capacity, so I was able to sustain that going into, you know, I think my first sleeve, my like I think I did a meet during CrossFit with no training and did like a 1600 total at 198. And then I did uh, another meet after that at 220 and went up to like 1800. And, um, and I had a few injuries going into that, but I was still able to jump my total up by like one or 200 pounds. Cause I was actually training for powerlifting. Right. Then. But very soon after that, I learned that less is more. Right. And that's like a huge, that's a huge uh, point. I think with that, like a huge takeaway for people listening to this is as you get stronger, like your muscles get stronger, but your body, your structure, like that doesn't adapt as quick as your muscles. And so as you get stronger, the, the intensity, the higher the intensity you go, the less frequent you can do those things. Well, here's the other side of it too, is a conversation I have with a lot of athletes Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. is that what you did to get to a certain point Mm -hmm. Like, what you did to get to a 600-pound yeah. squat uh. isn't what you need to do to get to a 700-pound yeah, squat. Yeah, it changes. So, the, as you get stronger, like, any good program evolves. Yep. So, you need to learn those adaptations and mm. specifically, like, what worked for you and what didn't work for you. Yeah, and you got to kind of find new things. So, so you, you know, you hit that 19, you said 1978? Yeah. Roughly around there. And you hit that total and you obviously like, well, damn, that was pretty cool. Let's do more. Let's, right. let's train more. Um, so from like a training standpoint, did that just keep going less and less frequent, more sub max, more intelligent programming? Are there any, are there any exercises that you found helped you maybe get stronger without beating you up as much? Um, well, I was working with that coach for a while, and then he ended up leaving the gym. Yeah. Then I started working with Chad Wethley Smith. Okay. And uh, he had a different approach. Okay. So that his was a lot more volume and a lot more high intensity. Yeah. So I went from one guy that was kind of one extreme to uh, another guy that was a different extreme. Max recoverable volume. <laughs> yep. So with Chad, I, I definitely got a lot stronger with, you know, I, I think my best total with the previous coach was... 2006 okay and then with chad i went on to do a 2178 okay so it should have been about a 200 pound jump but yeah yeah yeah. and that was over the course of two years okay but uh honestly i think the best exercises for me Uh were a lot of things outside of the barbell like i'm a real big advocate for accessory work yeah so doing things like uh the pit shark was huge for Mm -hmm. my squat and that was the movement i always had the the roughest time with Mm -hmm. Uh, SSB work, pause squats, mm-hmm. and, and 
things outside of like maximum loads. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so like, um, yeah, like you mentioned the 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 belt squat and being able to do exercises and strengthen certain parts of your body in a way that'll transfer to your main lifts while removing some of the load from those sort of key critical structures that maybe can get hurt easier or maybe take a lot of load that you want to keep more fresh like your low back exactly. or your shoulders or you know those common joints that that you know that makes sense and i think that's one of the ways that training programs can sort of evolve over time it's like as you get stronger and stronger the accessory work has to become a little bit more friendly to your body and it because it's like when you're deadlifting you know three to five hundred pounds it's not as damaging obviously to your body as like seven eight hundred pound deadlift right. is going to be so it's like when you do that lift you're you're making your muscles stronger you're making your nervous system stronger but doing lifts at that weight I would say is almost damaging to other parts of your body. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so your, your training program, your accessory work outside of that almost has to like mimic physical therapy in a sense, because you almost have to like rehab your body. Like you have, you have your deadlifting on this day and then maybe you bench and you squat on these other days and maybe you deadlift again in nine days or in 14 days or whatever your interval is. You have to kind of hit that lift hit it at the right weight to where you're progressing appropriately, not too much, not too little. It's going to take a good bit out of you for a decent amount of time. And you have that window between you, when you deadlift on that day and when you deadlift again, you have to essentially rehab your body. If it didn't, hopefully it didn't take too much out of you. You have to rehab your body and make yourself feel ready to do it again, if not a little bit more in that time frame. Right. And so like a lot of the exercises you kind of have to do have to be things that are going to make you stronger, but also make you feel better, um, which is interesting because because I do a lot of belt squat stuff. I do a lot of safety bar squat stuff, like things that still challenge you, but keep your body in like a friendly position. And also working on the weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So like you, you, we have a tendency to follow the path least resistance yeah. and only do the things that we're really good at sure. rather than identifying your weaknesses mm -hmm. and targeting those with uh, accessory work mm -hmm. what were some of the weaknesses you had in, for your for your body like any muscle groups or anything uh specifically quads yeah. like it was mm -hmm. uh, i had so many leg injuries with football mm -hmm. and you know one that my technique in football sucked nobody yeah. taught me how to squat ever okay and it was a lot more like plyometric based sure. and learning like we would do power cleans and mm. so we would deadlift a little bit but so a was, lot of stuff like above parallel exactly mm -hmm. so and i always thought oh my knees hurt from the strain of the weights and um, it was about, well maybe your knees hurt because your technique sucks and because your technique wasn't as good as it could be your quads maybe weren't as developed as they could be so maybe that resulted in some of the knee injuries perhaps yeah probably mm -hmm. and, and so it, it was uh, a lot of quad work for me what do you think about you probably you know since you have a background in sports and you know big into fitness i follow some pages showing the strength and conditioning habits of athletes nowadays what do you think about when you see like a lebron james or a football player doing quarter squats 
I, I think that I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Okay. I, somebody tagged me in a video recently, and I'm like, you know, it makes sense for the specificity of the sport. Like, mm -hmm. you don't have to. You know, LeBron James is never going to get into a full squat position on the sure. court. Mm -hmm. And you look at the the what what really counts is his performance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's he's my age. Yeah. And still killing it. it yeah. So absolutely. So it's yeah. like what he's doing is working for him, mm -hmm. and I think that there's a lot of wiggle room out there so to speak sure. in the strength and conditioning realm mm -hmm. and a lot of people try to overthink things mm -hmm. and make things a little bit too complicated mm -hmm. but the end result has to be the performance on their specific field yeah. right so basketball court football mm -hmm. field whatever it is and see if those workouts actually translate yeah but you look at every sport in the last 10 years uh -huh. everybody has gotten bigger Yep. Everybody has gotten faster. The records keep getting broke. Yep. So it's uh, we we they got something good going out there. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like uh, we're gonna do this thing and see how it translates. And if it does well, then we keep doing it. Yep. If you do worse, then we got to fix it. Well, a lot of the studies that they were doing out in the '80s are uh -huh. just now being published. But a lot of it is things that we took as law when when we were growing up right sure. like some of the rep ranges with hypertrophy mm -hmm. but now there's actually studies that prove these things yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's been a lot of work in labs and working with athletes and things like this but mm -hmm. the the real aspect has been not only the workouts but also the nutrition aspects yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so for your for your nutrition when you were powerlifting kind of peaking and powerlifting what were you someone who kind of just like ate a ton of calories and weren't really concerned with what you're eating or were you someone who kind of like were was a little bit more mindful with like the composition of your diet and the foods you were getting it, at different stages it went differently like i said i went from a fitness background mm -hmm into the this idea of like i'm gonna do what it takes to get as big and as strong as i can sure. so it's probably pure calories versus at times i adapted that mentality because like i would have i just like w at one point when i got up to 320 pounds yeah. it was like i'm just gonna see where this takes me yeah, yeah. and just eat as much as i can uh, as often as i can uh, to try to get my strength up and yeah. there's a curve it's like a bell curve right yeah, sure. and there's a point where adding more weight isn't beneficial yeah. and like i had to go through that to learn that yeah, yeah, yeah so maybe eating a full pizza and a cheesecake at night after you squat isn't the best idea uh -huh. rather than matching your caloric needs yeah and just eating enough to recover okay but so it, when did you when did you that's really interesting that you say that because a lot of guys, you know, I see a lot of guys out there and a lot of people, and I think there's some people that maybe they could benefit from gaining weight. Yeah. But there's other people that probably use the whole gain weight to get stronger thing as an excuse to maybe justify, you know, eating these foods that maybe they shouldn't be eating. Exactly. Because maybe it's not the best thing for their health. Right. But it's also easier too, right? Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of mindless just to kind of eat whatever you want mm -hmm. and you don't have to put in as much effort or be as disciplined sure with weighing out foods and eating them at certain times uh -huh. and all the things that go into it what what was that point where you sort of felt like um like you, that gaining the weight wasn't benefiting you anymore well i had hit a point i had done a meet and uh ended up uh injuring my knee again uh-huh and I didn't perform as well as I wanted to, but I was also dealing with some health issues that yeah. went undiagnosed for a long time. Okay. So I, I, I attributed a lot of how I felt mm. 
to my weight gain. Sure. So I was looking at it as dealing with fatigue all the time, and I was okay. cramping, and I was like, I got to clean my diet up. Yeah, yeah. But I did a total recomp with my body, and I went from about 315 pounds uh-huh. and being a little softer and, yeah. and bigger, uh-huh. and I got down to like 275. Oh, wow. And my body fat was around 10%. Oh, wow. So, so you were pretty shredded. Yeah. No, it, it was a good look for sure, man. Yeah, I look yeah. back at that as like probably <laughs> the best shape of my life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm not, not knowing the health issues I was dealing with at that time, yeah. but like the drug use went down. Mm-hmm. So during that period of time when I got down to 275, I felt and looked great, you yeah. know. You felt way better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I got it dialed in. It was the weight gain. And mm-hmm. I was having some edema uh-huh. in my body. Okay. Um, and uh, that had cleared up over time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I thought a lot of it was with my diet, but uh-huh. not knowing what I know now. Yeah. So, so you know, kind of on that thread, you, you know, you, you were going through this process and, you know, you had some undiagnosed health issues and things. And, um, you know, now, now you've been out of powerlifting for a couple of years and, you know, you're managing sort of training and that sort of thing. What, how did you, you know, you're, have, you're having some kidney issues and how did that sort of transpire? At what point did you, were you like, huh, something isn't right? Well, honestly, I, I had two back-to-back injuries. Mm-hmm. I was, the last meet I did was Record Breakers 2018. Mm-hmm. I tore my right pack. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I was rehabbing it. Uh, tr- I was like, I'm just going to focus on my legs. But sure. again, I was having the edema again. Yeah. I had put on like 30 pounds of water. Yeah. And I thought it was just drug related. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So for for the people listening, edema is like a, a swelling, usually fluid in the tissues, and usually it happens in like the lower legs. Yeah, because it, it's more gravity related. And it's not just a little bit of water weight. You yeah. like this is where you could take your finger, and push it, push in. it in, and it stays. Like yeah. it's a different. Yeah. Um. So with that training uh, uh trying to push through it again uh-huh. i came off all the drugs yeah the edema went away i was uh-huh. feeling a little bit better yeah. still fatigued a lot yeah but i thought it was stress from trying to open up the gym here sure and then uh, i tore my quad uh-huh. and through the quad tear uh-huh. going through the medical things uh-huh. i had found about about blood pressure issues yeah, yeah and then with that i um, got diagnosed with stage five kidney failure. So honestly, if I didn't have the injuries, yeah. I probably wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have maybe caught it because I'm, I'm sure when they you had those injuries, they did they surgically reattach things or did you have any surgeries or procedures? Yeah, I had a reattachment of my quad on my left leg. So they probably did lab work and caught some of those things. Well, that's the thing is that my labs actually came back decent. Like, really? Yeah, all my uh, electrolyte balances, everything the uh-huh. kidney should be doing, they were doing. Yeah. It wasn't until they did a biopsy of my kidney uh-huh. that they were able to tell that I have FSGS. Okay. That's a little bit harder to diagnose than okay. just like chronic kidney disease yeah, yeah. or issues where it was like if it was a completely drug related, you'd be able to look at it and say like, okay, this is why. So what what does that stand for? FS? Do you know? Do you know yeah, it's, it's a long. It's like focal gl- something or other. It's complicated medical name. Yeah, I mean, I I learned how to pronounce it at a time, uh-huh. but I I couldn't try it right now. Let's see it. Let's see if I can just for the people listening. Let me see if I can look it up. I know there's gonna be people that are like he should know what that is. <laughs> uh, da, 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 let's see, focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. I probably that is it. that. So it's basically a long term for like scarring of the kidneys. Okay. So now, you have these little filters, and once uh-huh. they develop scar tissue yep. on them, they can't heal. Yeah, the nephrons. Yep. Yep. And it's 
soon as that started to happen, like mm-hmm. th- they caught it way too late. Mm-hmm. So, so was that something that, cause you know, you're a, you're a heavyweight power lifter, you're lifting big weights, like, you know, for untested powerlifting, it's pretty common that, you know, guys are using drugs, that sort of thing. Like right. that's, that's no surprise to anyone now, you know, but you have a lot of guys and I know a lot of guys that, that, you know, use anabolics and they compete at a high level in powerlifting and they do it for years and years and years and years and they're still functioning. And, you know, this happened to you around like 33, 34. Uh-huh. Um, was this, do you think there was a genetic component in this? It had to be. Like, this is one of the most controversial things that, like, I get onto on Instagram because people are like, you did this to yourself and this and that. I'm like, and they accused me of using massive amounts of drugs. It was was never that way, man. Like, I always was pretty good responder to drugs. I didn't have to take the same dosages. And I feel like everybody says that. Mm. But, you know, compared to the guys that I talk to in Mm. the sport, and we're pretty honest with each other, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I was always, like, moderate with Um, my use. Yeah, yeah. But it was a a lot of other factors. I'm an anxious person. Sure. Like, I was diagnosed with panic attacks when I was 18. So stressed. And I have a – and I take on a lot of it. You know, yeah. I opened up my own business yeah. in 2013, like okay. with my first gym. So it was, did the drug use play a part of it? Absolutely. You know, sure. adding yeah. in more testosterone when you have blood pressure issues isn't yeah. going to help. Mm-hmm. But did it cause me to have FSGS? Yeah. No, like, didn't did, cause it. Yeah, like maybe as a per, as an individual without that, maybe you genetically have high blood pressure. Maybe yeah. By well, bro- well here's the, the thing: is the it's like a rare uh, disease, right? Mm-hmm. FSGS is really rare. Yeah. Sure. You know, outside of like heroin addicts and like high anabolic users can mm. get it too. Mm. But it was my cousin has never lifted a weight in his life. He has the same thing. He's stage three. No shit. So it's like something that runs in my family. Yeah. My my great my grandfather died from it. Okay. Well, then that that sounds like there was definitely a little bit more of a genetic component involved. In right. It. But had I lived my life like a monk. Yeah. And never touched a drug. Yeah. Never did supplementation. Yeah. Didn't put as much strain on my body mm. with the powerlifting and the breakdown. Mm. Would I have had needed a transplant? Debatable. Who's to know? Maybe when I was 70. Maybe, yeah, maybe you would have still gotten it at 40 or 50 or 60 versus. Well, once uh, you have F, like you have FSGS, yeah. it's not something that like you, you, you could live without complications from. Yeah. You're going to have complications, but it's a variance of what degree you're going to have. Sure, okay. So like adding in everything else that I did uh-huh. definitely amplified it uh-huh. and, and probably caused it to happen a lot faster, but it wasn't like it was never going to affect me. Yeah. Like it was going to, at some point you're going to have to deal with it. Absolutely. Sort of. Like, yeah. That, that makes sense. That's interesting. But yeah. the, the funny part is it's like getting online and watching everybody argue about it and it's just like dude who the fuck cares yeah like one it wouldn't change anything i'm here now for sure so like understanding why it happened and they're like well i just want people to know that if these kids today think there's no consequences for drugs i'm like i don't think anybody thinks there's anything safe about any drug yeah like even smoking weed and everything else has consequences to certain people Mm. like nothing's completely safe it's definitely it's definitely a personal choice right and it's definitely related to like risk to reward how bad do i want this thing like right it's all just kind of in my opinion it's being realistic with what you're doing and saying you know okay i'm really into powerlifting this is what people are doing at a high level do i want to do this do i not want to do this like 
maybe if you had known at the time, like maybe, but like yeah, you might have changed some things, absolutely. Yeah. But it's like, would I start with that? No, if I, if we could go back and yeah. change anything we wanted in history, <laughs> that's not the thing I would start with. Sure, yeah, I'd probably go invest in Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good point that you make. And now they're getting uh, now they're trying to get. Did you see that they're getting the people are trying to sue them and disband them and break them apart facebook oh no I, yeah <laughs> yeah anything, there's man. all kinds of crazy shit going on with that damn so so now now you're kind of where you're at now you've opened uh indie city yeah and, and that seems to be going pretty well it's been great man um, how do you how do you now that you've kind of gone full circle through you know we we're chatting about this a little bit earlier you've sort of done some badass lifts he's done some cool shit you brush shoulders with some badass lifters you know you got a pretty big social media page that you run you you open the gym you know you're you're balancing some health issues with opening the gym um how do you how do how does that you you mentioned that sort of some days you deal with a little bit of low energy and you're oh, still yeah. trying to train and that sort of thing how is how do you kind of find the balance now it's definitely hard, man, and I'm still learning. Like, I, I have a tendency to overextend myself. Sure, yeah. And uh, it, it's definitely been a challenge, but for me, it's been almost a blessing to get sick. Yeah. Because it made me a better business owner. Maybe made you reevaluate your priorities a little bit. And that and invest my time differently. Because sure. if you're top level at anything, man, it's a selfish thing. Yeah. You yeah, got to be much. selfish. Like yeah. you want to be the best bodybuilder you can be, yeah. best powerlifter you can be. Uh-huh. It's a lot of selfishness. Yeah, a lot of a lot of putting your focus and time and energy into that one thing, and it's like yeah. when you don't necessarily have that, you have all this time and energy that's freed up. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, made me a better coach. Yeah. It's made me a better business owner. Mm-hmm. So I think like the timing of it is kind of it's strange, yeah. right? How things kind of line up that way, mm-hmm. but I tore my pec the month i opened indie city yeah so i had stopped powerlifting the the month that we opened here okay and over the last two years it's been an adjustment and it's definitely been like a lot of figuring things out Mm -hmm. and i'll always lift weights and i'll always kind of power lift and it'll it'll always be there but of course you know to to have more time and energy to focus on other people Mm -hmm. is is definitely been a blessing yeah And, and you know it's interesting you say that because I think for a lot of people who have maybe lived your life and gone through some of the things you've gone through, I think it would be really easy for a lot of people to sort of take like the, the cards you've been dealt, so to speak in the last like two, three, one, two, three years, and maybe use that as an excuse to, you know, be a bad person or be angry or right. go through all these things or not be productive or not, you know, just not necessarily be resilient, but it sounds like sort of the theme of some of the things you've gone through when you were younger, up through your twenties, sort of like mentally conditioned you to be a little bit more of a resilient individual to where, you know, when you were faced with this sort of like, you know, this, these sort of circumstances that it's like, you're not, it's like, okay, you know, I have this thing, I'm going to work through it instead of just using this as an excuse, like all this bad stuff has happened to me, you know, I'm not going to be productive. It's still like, okay, well, like I'm still here. I'm still going to be productive. I'm still going to try to like, you know, progress and move forward in aspects of my life like that as an individual, 
the the direction doesn't change maybe the maybe what you're moving forward on changes a little bit like with your business and that sort of thing but it sounds like you're you're just channeling your energy into something different yeah and that's part of it like you said it started younger and Mm -hmm. like we we talked about how you make that decision to hold yourself accountable sure and like i'm a big believer that happiness is a choice sure of course and i don't want to live every day being upset because i you know and at times i i have felt sorry for myself Uh i've been through periods of my life like i said at ucla drinking Uh and uh doing drugs and not making the best healthiest decisions but Mm -hmm. ultimately like where does that get you yeah you know like that's not going to help your business that's Mm -hmm. not going to help your career that's not going to help your relationships yeah so why invest any amount of time into that when there's so much more positive things going on like if we go outside of my kidneys my life is fucking great right now you know like (laughs) business is good my relationships are good good. like things are going really well for me so like why am i gonna let that one little thing i mean it's not a little thing right like i i I need a kidney transplant it's it's not (laughs) necessarily a fun thing to go through sure but why have this dark cloud following me every day uh, yeah. when when there's so many other things I could focus on that are positive? Yeah. So I choose not to focus on the negative. Sure. And I choose to focus on the positive. Sure. And I try to make life a little bit better every day. Yeah. Now that yeah, I I would definitely have to agree with that. And um, I think that we've been chatting for a little while now, and I think that's a really a really good note to end on. Um, we've been about. 50 minutes or so you know that was so that was really freaking cool episode man um i'm really happy that we got to do this yeah me too dude you know a lot of a lot of the best episodes that i record are like super spur of the moment just like pop at a gym someone's there it's like yo you want to chat yeah i got a microphone yeah yeah let's talk ends up being a pretty good thing so um you know where can people find you plug the gym plug your page yeah Um, here we're i'm I'm out in indianapolis now indy city barbell it's uh downtown um, we got a page for the gym here. It's Indy City Barbell on IG. Okay. You can find us on Facebook. Cool. And then you can follow me. It's PT Fitness okay. 500 cool. on Instagram. And cool. thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, any any new things you're working on? Any new developments or anything? Or just pushing the gym? Yeah, you know, the, status quo. The, the priority is the health stuff. So yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. doing that. But the gym's going strong, man. We just expanded here recently. And cool. I got some cool things happening, but I'm not ready to announce them yet. <laughs> okay. But if you're interested, just keep following the Indy yeah, yeah. City page, and you'll learn about it soon. Cool, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for for uh, coming on coming on the podcast. Um, yeah, this was a good one. So thank you everybody for listening. Hopefully, you guys got some pretty cool stuff out of that. Uh, Steve Gentili. Thanks, man.